I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I remember to say the part that comes before my name this week. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, wondering how Mark Zuckerberg will fuck us this time. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hello. I mean, I have lots of theories. (laughs) He's going to do something. Yeah, I decided I'm going to like even more step it back from Facebook. I'm just really I just I, I'm decided like I, I started unlisting myself from all these groups. <gasps> Not the groups. Yeah, it's, even that one I really like the secondhand finds the weird secondhand finds that just need to be shared. I even <laughs> got, I got out of that one. It's like I don't need this in my life. I don't want to recommend anyone go to Reddit, but I think you can probably curate highly curate a very selective reddit or discord experience for yourself that can give you all of the weirdness of facebook but without any of the disinformation or the advertising literally every single second post of mine i think i bought something once from facebook from an ad and now it's like just fill her up boys just like it's not good listen i don't know if i ever said this i'll say it again right now the one of the best gifts I've ever gotten, I tell her every time I use it, is something someone cute got off of Instagram, which is just Facebook adjacent, but it's a head shaver. <laughs> she saw an ad for a head shaver. It's like a little round handle with like four electric trimmer blades on it. Yeah. And I use it to shave my head. It's glorious. It's just, it just kind of forms forms to the head a little more a little better interesting and it's i i did i'm listen full disclosure i did not have super high expectations for it because it was an instagram ad yeah yeah fair but yo i will get out there I will, i'll say it right now the pitbull the pitbull head shaver y'all no spawn con here that's a that's a legit endorsement I'm telling you you out there you want to shave your head get yourself a pitbull i don't think if it's i don't think it's actually affiliated with mr worldwide but if it is he should use one. Oh. But you should use one if it isn't. And if it is, congratulations, sir. <laughs> you should put Friends. that on the board. We'll put it on the board for him. <laughs> Making Pitbull the spokesperson for the Pitbull head shaver? Yeah. I don't think it's that far a leap. Friends, diving into the tomfoolery with both feet immediately. This is episode 310 of the Geek Down podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 309 episodes, you just take yourself wherever you get your audio content. Be it Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe, give us five stars. Just do it. Listen, we can keep doing this dance every week. You can play hard to get. That's fine. You're going to give us five stars. So just do it. And we we know you're listening. You may not be telling your friends. This might be your embarrassing secret, but we know and you know, and now you know that we know. So just give us five stars. So just give us the five stars. Just do it. And when you give us five stars, you're going to delight me. You're going to delight Caitlin. Do you know who else you're going to delight? Who? The person who brings you these episodes every week, sprinkled from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip. And that's your man's. 
Chauncey Fostericus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. My God, girl. He just wants to bring these episodes directly into your device. It's what he lives for. And he will be more than happy to do it once you give us them five stars. Yeah. If anyone deserves stars, it's Chauncey. Like, listen, if if that's how you need to justify it to yourself, cool. Yeah. Don't give the show five stars. Give Chauncey five stars. Has he ever let you down? No. Every week. Exactly. The answer is no. Sometimes we let Chauncey down. Sometimes Chauncey's just yeah. waiting for us to give him the episodes so he can sprinkle them. And he's like, what are y'all doing? And we're like, we're sorry, Chauncey. We're just, sometimes we're really bad at this. Yeah. I mean, he has had thousands of years to get his shit together. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel sometimes Friends, like you- I would need thousands of years to get my shit together. So, <laughs> yeah. Listen, even Marie Kondo out there copping to be a messy now that she got kids. So <laughs> we're all going through it. We're all going through it. Also, y'all calm down. Everybody out there was just looking to dunk on Marie Kondo when she said she her house is messy now. She never made you throw out your books. She never made you. Nope. Y'all need to lighten the fuck up. You want to come at us because you think we're problematic for telling you Marie Kondo did nothing wrong? Twitter.com slash GeekdownPod. Get up off Twitter. We still there. Yep. For still now. Still there. Just limping along. <laughs> but we are there. Friends, if you'd like to support this endeavor financially... Why do we, why do they want to support this endeavor financially this week, Kate? Um, I think because they want um to support me coming to see you and doing like an in-person episode at some point. My god, could that actually happen? Could it, you it actually could. get these two idiots in a room together again? It could, but it's expensive maybe. now. Like really expensive. Maybe. Listen, everything is expensive, but listen, maybe let, let's let's blow your mind, Kate. Maybe not for you to come see me. Maybe I could come see you. Oh. <laughs> The go train ain't cheap, y'all. No. Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh, it's pretty cheap for what you get, but I mean, but also you have to you have to when you really think about it. If we're we're coming together ever so, after such a long time, there has to be snacks. You knew it was coming back to snacks. It always comes back to snacks. And listen, there's some there's some weird, and you know we don't fuck around when it comes to snacks. No, we're gonna go to nations. Yeah. There's a name you haven't. There's a name you haven't heard in a while. <laughs> International grocery store chain nations. Man, remember we actually took a field trip there and like documented it on Twitter. I would. Yeah, oh, the that hits. Would that would be amazing. I'm sure people would love it. We already did it once. You oh my think? god, did we? Yes, like like four years ago. But <sighs> okay, that's that's. I can't even remember like four hours ago. So I can be excused <laughs> we went, we went the, from not recalling. We went to the one at the stockyards. Oh, wow. So long ago. Forever ago. We got fish snacks. I low-key think I still had a bag of fish, a pouch of fish <laughs> snacks in the bag I took that day that I no longer use. And I was cleaning it out fairly recently and found a pouch of them fish snacks. And I was like, let's just <laughs> no. not even look at it. Let's not even look at it as we dispose of it. <laughs> anyway, Kate, how was your week? Uh, It was fine. It was... It was lonesome. Senior correspondent Chris was oh, right. <laughs> off to Los Angeles um, or in and around that area to visit a friend of his. And uh, it was fine until like Thursday night. <laughs> and I'm always like, I always forget that I, I'm not an independent lady anymore because I lived alone for a long time. And um, 
I just, you know, I, I did university on my own and I didn't have roommates or anything. Not really. Um, and, and I was, I'm always like, I'll be fine. And then by like Thursday night, I have to like pep talk myself in the mirror and be like, you are a strong, independent woman. The noises in the house will not scare you. You will not weep on the phone to him while talking to him tonight. You can do this. Um, you cannot just eat crackers and cheese for dinner. Make yourself some goddamn food. Um, so yeah, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back too. Oh, I do have to mention though, and I did say this mm. to him, um, and I'm like 80% teasing, but the house was so tidy. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was real tidy. Not to get gender normative up in here, but I feel like most wives would probably have similar, could say similar things. I mean, to be honest, to be honest, um, he, he's, he's pretty great. Um, but we're both droppers, but I think it's, it's the combined dropping that really does it. But when it's just one person, you can't be like, well, he's done it. So I'm not going to clean up my stuff. Like if there's a mess, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's my mess. Cause I'm the only one here. There's not some like secret basement ghost, um, also living in the house, creating a mess. So I think there's just, you just have a focused responsibility on the mess. So. But yeah, I'm glad he's back. I am as well. Friends, nothing over, nothing really happening over here with your boy. Because um, I just work and go to the gym. Work has been nuts. I can't even tell you why. It's, it's been, been crazy. nuts, though. It's been crazy. <laughs> Kate knows. I know. People who, don't, people who don't even work there would know. Uh have I done anything? Have I done anything fun, Kate? No. No, I haven't. I literally just... <laughs> You've just been responsible go to the gym and gone and to the up. gym. Um, been miserable about going to the gym, which is the responsible thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what I it. even No, like, listen, I missed, I missed a lot of the gym last week because I was, like, doing laundry, uh, running errands. Listen... It's Valentine's Day. I wasn't going to see someone cute till till after Valentine's Day, so I had to get something, a little something small and silly together to uh, to send to her. Involved a lot of traversing the city, but yeah, just it's just literally the gym and come home. And then when you come home, you just want to sit. Yeah, and that's what I do. Um, although I did I did uh, carve out some time today. Um, Today was a, a catch-up day for me a little bit. Like I said, I busted out the old pit bull, shaved my head, trimmed my beard, put some laundry away that I had done last week, um, started getting a suitcase together because uh, friends, it's a holiday weekend here in Canada this weekend, so I am taking a surprise trip. Uh, surprise not in the sense that no one knows I'm coming, but surprise in the I did not expect to be going, and I'm delighted uh, back home this weekend. Um but then even even with all that, Kate, I made myself a nice breakfast this morning. Probably too much breakfast, but that's what day <laughs> off breakfast is for. And then I was like, you know what? You know what? I, I look at them every day. I look at them every day and fuck it. I'm doing it today. We are going to start cleaning and filing 2022's records. Ooh. Got to put, let's bust the spin clean out. Let's get 
to this. I got to record at Kate at 530. Didn't record at 530 because Mark Zuckerberg hates us. And... But I got this much. I got like 90 minutes. Let me just start bashing through these. I got through about a quarter of them. I forgot how tedious, how relaxing, but also tedious it is to clean records. But hey, that'll be my, maybe that'll be my post-gym routine after I come home. Also, y'all, I need help. This podcast is not enough. I need more shows, y'all. I need more things to watch on the elliptical. I'm all caught up on Poker Face, which we'll talk about later. I need more (laughs) 45-minute shows for the elliptical. I'm telling you, it's all about the K-dramas. You're absolutely right. I should probably be. Yeah. Watch watch me have watched all of Business Proposal by the next time we uh, <laughs> we come back here. Or no, I always told I always told Kira when I'd watch Crashing Into You, um, which is the most celebrated one. Maybe we should just do an episode on that. We'll talk off mic. Anyway. Kate? Yes. Michael Keaton's gonna play Batman again. Or is playing Batman again. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. I know it's selective memory at some point to be like bemoan the current state of everything for just you know pandering to a certain type of nerd and just constantly giving them what they want all the time yeah and then michael keaton turned up as batman in the flash trailer but here's also the thing and i said stick it into my veins (laughs) Um, right now i don't love ezra miller's flash um, I don't really love Ezra Miller. I don't Miller. even know that anyone has an opinion on Ezra Miller. Well, people have lots of opinions on Ezra Miller right now, but Ezra Miller's Flash, I don't think. People must. I mean, they were in uh, Justice League and... Did they do a second Justice League? I actually... I have not watched any of it, so I don't actually <laughs> That's the thing. Know. Like, I don't know. As far as I know, I think maybe... Batman v Superman, but like I think oh, the Flash was... was only only in Justice League. But I mean, they were Ezra Miller was is was in a large part of that, right? Um, I have to take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it, but I just saw the trailers, and and I mean, it's about the they they were part of the Justice League, so therefore the Justice League movie, you know, um, and. I, I will say from what I saw, from what little I did see, um, the portrayal of Barry Allen in the Justice League, which is much younger than I always, like Ezra Miller is a m- much younger performer than I envisioned whoever would play Barry Allen. I just can't see anybody under 40 with the name Barry. That's just me. But um, I feel like they were kind of, they wanted to make Barry more youthful, right? Like he was kind of given the Spider-Man vibes okay. in the Justice League. Okay, fair. It was my sense of it. Fair. But Which is why now they're just doing Flash No Way Home. But well, And that's the other thing I was going to say. So when people are like, oh, you're just pandering, you know, having these different Batmans, I'm like, but that was a thing. That is a thing from DC Comics. That is not yes. like, this is not... They, they weren't like, let's find a way to do this. This already existed. Um, and was not was not Marvel's thing until very recently. Like, Spider-Verse yeah. was... Alternate versions of superheroes was not... You're absolutely right. It was more of a DC thing because they were so convoluted in their <laughs> publishing history that you ended up with 19 Batmans depending on the... Uh, <laughs> You know, with the Silver Age, the Golden Age, Earth yeah. 2, Earth 1, you know, whatever. The, the second they did that in the 60s, it was like, 
it was going to happen. So yes, you can do No Way Home and give me like 19 Batmans. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I mean, Michael Keaton is Batman. That as a child, that is my Batman. Other than Kevin Conroy, um, but that's you know as far as live action goes. Um, so I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was a nice way to like tie in the old with the new. Um, but yeah, it looked like fun. Um, I'm interested in the take on Supergirl. Um, because yeah, like, is that, we talked last week about the Supergirl, um, project and the version of Supergirl, I believe the word hardcore was used, um, which gave us both hives, but that is certainly, I don't know if this Supergirl is the Supergirl that James Gunn is talking about. If I, think it is. Actress, I think it is. If it's... I think it is. Okay. Um, and if it is, I can, I can understand where hardcore came from. <laughs> um, no one really wants to use, you know, edgy, but, but it's definitely darker than, than, you know, a lot of depictions of Supergirl. Though what I know from the eighties movie is that her entire group, like the people she was with, they all died. <laughs> That's a hard way yes. to start a story and still remain bubbly. So, <laughs> yes. like, I think good for them for like going a different direction with it. She's she's clearly seen some shit in that in that brief glimpse we get of her in the flash trailer. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Looks looks all right. Um, I will be more curious to see if they actually are going to use this movie to how much of a reset they will give. Um, like, did they go, did they do reshoots that nobody ever heard about to move this into the gods and monsters era? I don't know. We'll see. And we'll see when it shows up free on Crave. Um, <laughs> I was just about to say, but I'm glad you said or, it first. Or, or when I read spoilers on Gizmodo, one, one or the other. One or the um, other. I'm, ain't nobody still around here spending money to go see the flash. Sorry. Um, what else was interesting from the pork skin classic last night? Um, um, it was the Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yes, that was that looks like. Fun. Um, yeah, it looks all right for me. I did not realize the uh, shouts to Tubi. I didn't know Tubi had the ad of the night. Oh, did you see that one? No. So the Tubi ad started in the middle of like as the commentators were talking. So, like, the commentators are talking, and then suddenly the Tubi ad was just the Tubi interface coming up um, and selecting, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and then start, and then the logo for Tubi came up. But literally everyone watching it, it just looked like somebody sat on the remote. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was the most, like, memed ad of the Super Bowl, because everybody was making jokes about, <laughs> literally, like, clips of people, like, yelling at their <laughs> their aunts and uncles about like <laughs> what are you doing like <laughs> like put the game back on type of thing when the game never left very smart that was yeah um, that's good so i didn't yeah i didn't see a lot of ads but I, I enjoyed that one um and guardians looks fine i mean it's not gonna be bad again i'll watch that when it's on disney plus fun fact never saw the second one <gasps> not that i want to give kate not like not like I want to give Caitlin more ammunition to restart her uh, Jordan watches every Marvel project. <sighs> but no. Saw the Christmas special. Didn't see Guardians 2. Ridiculous. Um, friends, I'm keeping it. I've been keeping it light 
in this uh, front half of the show because I knew I had something less light to talk about in the back half. Sorry, Kate, I didn't, I didn't uh, loop you in on this beforehand. Um, but that is the uh, the news that broke last evening that uh, David Jolliker, a.k.a. Plug 2, a.k.a. Trugoy the Dove, a.k.a. just Dave of uh, seminal, revolutionary, essential rap group De La Soul passed away at the age of 54. No. That's what I said. Um, this is nonsensical to me and tragic. Um, he had had cardiac issues uh, last year, I believe, in 2021, 2022, perhaps. Um, seemed to recover. I think they were going to go on a tour with gorillas this year. And it really just kind of like came out of nowhere. Um, the only <laughs> good thing that kind of came out of it was just, we all kind of heard it at the same time. Um, hip hop fans of a certain, uh, generation and the sort of, you know, collective grief on Twitter and Instagram, um, was kind of soothing. Um, uh, DJ a track one time DMC champion world champion from Toronto, not Toronto from Montreal. Now co-owner co-founder of fool's gold records in New York. Um, one of the greatest DJs ever just went live and just started playing De La songs. And it was like very needed. Um, friends. De La soul has appeared many times on this podcast over the years. So many times, um, <laughs> mostly because they were so important to me um for different reasons so like the the most if you never heard de la soul which a lot of you probably haven't because the other tragedy about this was their music was unavailable and was going to become available on march 20th march 3rd a scant like three weeks from now when they finally figured out you know the sample clearances and whatnot and all of their music all the six albums that were lost were going to hit streaming platforms so like a a renaissance and a, a full appreciation of their catalog was about to happen. You know, the generation, a solid generation who was like only knew a handful of albums and songs from their career was finally going to get to hear everything. And, you know, for him to pass three weeks before that was going to happen is frankly too sad for me to reckon with. Um, but you know, their first album comes out three feet high and rising in 1989. I think, um, De La Soul was pause Trugoy and Mace, uh, three kids from, uh, long Amityville, long Island. And they have a immediate smash with the song, me, myself and I, um, which is a huge hip hop and pop hit. Um, had an incredible video, um, <laughs> lampooning, sort of the uh, the predominant rap style of the day because they were and this is this is what the world used it was not what they considered themselves but they you know they were quote unquote hippies they weren't hippies um, they just presented themselves in a much different way mm. and they wore a lot of like you know you know at the Africa medallions the the floral prints they used a lot of like flowers they were just you know to the left. And their sonic palette was unhinged, basically. <laughs> like, 
every every rap group at that time, you know, you used Sly and the Family Stone and James Brown and the quote unquote ultimate beats and breaks. You know, there were those those compilation records that came out, um, kind of bootlegs that just had like all the songs and all the breaks that the DJs would use at the at the block parties um, in New York, and that's what a lot of people, a lot of producers in the '80s used um, for sample purposes um, when making their records. De La links up with Prince Paul, who is the you know unofficial plug four of the group, and Prince Paul is a lunatic and just <laughs> lets them be lunatics, and so there was no limit to what they would sample. Um, they sampled Steely Dan. They sampled Hall and Oates. They sampled the turtles infamously, which is what got them sued and brought <laughs> and brought sampling to the, uh, as an issue to the forefront. Um, and I can't, I can only imagine what it was like to be, you know, young and black in the late eighties and see these guys, uh, I saw a tweet that said, you know, De La's greatest accomplishment was proving there was room for everyone. Mm-hmm. That hip hop didn't have to be one thing. It didn't have to be a Kangol, ju- you know, it didn't have to be a Puma jumpsuit and a Kangol. You know, it could be literally whatever you want it to be. It was all hip hop. They, the Native Tongues Collective, they formed with Tribe Called Quest and Jungle Brothers and Queen Latifah and Moni Love. Insane. The, the video for buddy which was a remix from a song on three feet high and rising was <laughs> just you gotta remember i'm in amherstburg ontario i'm seeing all this stuff on much music and it's blowing my mind it's the weirdest <laughs> shit i the thing i always say is like de la was like my pink floyd right like if if tribe was my beatles de la was my pink floyd and like the video for Buddy starts with Prince Paul doing like a Rod Serling. The, he did this on the first few videos for them. He would do like a Rod Serling introduction. <laughs> like each video was an episode of the Twilight Zone. Amazing. So he does that in the, or he just kind of monologues at the opening of Buddy. And then the song kicks in and I'm trying to remember. It was like somebody on a scooter getting chased by somebody for no reason or th- and while Dela was on the side of the road throwing rocks like at one point the guy comes back into the shot and a caption comes up that's you know a title card comes up and says this video makes no sense like it was it was just so self-aware and and joyous and for me buying de la soul is dead which they titled because they were tired of every interview just being like so you guys are hippies um <laughs> And, you know, they were getting, they were touring, they were getting tested everywhere they went because people thought they were soft. Um, and they were wilding out and starting fights because they were still like, you know, 19 year old kids. And I remember I bought that tape because the, the lead single was really funky. Um, it's basically about all the demo tapes they were getting on the road and how they didn't want to listen to them. <laughs> um, and how they just let the calls go to a, go to voicemail. And... I loved that song when I first got on the internet. <laughs> that was one of the first samples I looked up. I own the 12 inch of that original sample now. That's how much I loved it. And I bought the tape when I was a kid. And like we know one of De La's primary contributions is the skit. Right. The infamous hip hop skit. Yes. That is from that is from De La. The first group to ever put skit the first hip hop group to ever put skits on a record was the game show interstitials on three feet high and rising. De La Soul is dead had like the 
listen along storybook vibe. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to your De La Soul read along storybook. When you hear this sound, that means turn the page. Yeah. Like it had that vibe. And in between the songs, and it came with a comic that you could read along with. <sighs> Amazing. Like the I liner notes that. were a comic you could read along with. And the. That's so cool. <laughs> again, you want to talk about the meta bullshit they were on? Like. The storybook within the album was about a kid finding a, that record in the garbage. <laughs> finding okay. a copy of De La Soul is Dead in the, in the garbage. Yep. And then he gets he gets shaken down by some bullies. They steal it. They listen to it. And then it's just commentary on how much they hate the album <laughs> throughout. And there were these – there was a, a radio station that they did, you know, little mini songs about. There was this whole – there was this world that they bit with like a donut shop and like the, the biddies in the BK lounge about trying to pick up girls at Burger King. Like it's, <laughs> I, again, I'm 12, I'm 12, 13 tops listening to this. This was my dark side of the moon. Like I listened to this record, this tape so much and just the world that they built. And that was like, I, they are my favorite rap group of all time. Like I like it's unbelievable. And you know, they had their ups and downs. They kind of flagged commercially and critically on the third album. Came back hard on Stakes is High, which was their fourth album. And just kind of became these like, they were just like the rock. Like they were a testament on how to age in hip hop. Mm-hmm. And age gracefully and remain relevant. You listen to feel good Inc <laughs> by the gorillas. De La's on that. That laugh you hear at the beginning is mace from De La. Um, yeah. De La's on feel good Inc. The rap break in the middle. That's Dave. When the rap break starts, um, because you know, they, they, they were so hardworking. The joke I made last time when it was like their catalog is coming is, you know, get these guys off the road. Their show was the first show I saw in Toronto when I moved here. The first concert I went to was De La Soul at the Phoenix over on Sherbourne Street. And I was stunned at just what a master class of crowd rocking fundamentals they put on by just doing something as simply as having Pause on one side of the stage, Dave on the other, dividing the crowd up down the middle and having like these informal competitions who had the rowdier side of the audience. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, the party's over here. Well, I think I think the party's over here. Like that shit. So basic. Hasn't changed since 88, but like the shit works. Like I saw a clip of them today from it was a, uh, someone I follow on Instagram from Japan. They had done a show there. And one of their songs on De La Soul is Dead was called a roller skating jam called Saturdays. Amazing. Um, and, you know, the intro starts, the beat kicks in, and it's just them at the start going like, They're like the crowd is like losing their minds. It's so they were so good at that. Nobody knows how to put on a show like that anymore. Um, they're incredible and and still are. And you best believe I will. 
Dale Soul's Dead has already been announced for, I think they'll probably be putting out one of their albums on wax every month this year. Um, best believe, just take my money now. Um, they're all, they're all getting purchased by me. And on March 3rd, it'll just be, I will be insufferable on March 3rd. Stay away from my Instagram story on March 3rd. I will just be posting day law songs for like the next week. Hey, at least you've warned the people. (laughs) Y'all going to know. And it's, it's just, it's so sad, Kate. (laughs) To say nothing of like so many from that generation from like you know the era i was falling in love with rap as a kid whether it was through much you know rap city on much music or detroit radio like i think honestly the saddest thing is the age right so young yeah and that's the the follow-up is we've lost so many of them and we've lost them so young 54 yeah 54 man (laughs) like that's too fucking young anyway rest in power to dave um all love to pause and mace and all the native tongues um holy shit we're gonna miss him um and that's my kate loves when i do this when i talk about some sad shit and then i throw it to her to try to bring us back up but (laughs) also your tributes are so heart-rendering and when someone I love dies, I'm just like, boop, 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 death. Like, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the other thing is, let's be honest, all the people, all the people Damn, I love son. and die are like in their 90s. It's not, there's not a tragedy That's true. there, it was, right? I mean, you know, we, we get. I mean, when when you when your girl Angela went, we were sad, but I mean, she was also like <laughs> yeah. 108, so and it wasn't. She, a- she had an extremely good life, hard at times, and you know, she brought a lot of joy. But like, it's hard when someone that you've loved and followed and appreciated, um, when they die so young, and you're just like, what else could they have given, right? And like you said, the timing is just so hard um so yeah so now and we were already in our like you know annual hip-hop's annual week of mourning for uh for dilla and new new comes later but um you know the birthday and passing within like three days of of dilla like the dilla week in february we were all you know already kind of processing that and then this news about dave hit it's i was when I, while i was cleaning records today i have a um a bootleg uh pressing of a just a mixtape that dayla had done in like 2014 maybe um of them doing old lyrics over dilla beats and you know that was a uh that was a very somber <laughs> listen this afternoon yeah. knowing that both those guys are gone now uh again so so young like we may say in the be- second half we gotta feel it for 15 minutes and uh and then uh carry on so there's something to be said for that british culture of just like okay stiff upper lip <laughs> uh this was horrifyingly tragic and let's go talk about um uh, ya novels <laughs> oh are you reading ya novels 
I read a YA novel. What YA novel did you read, miss? So I, I don't have much to talk about as far as like watching things because I was reading, which is was amazing and so exciting because I was awake enough that I didn't open the you know spine of the book and then immediately conk out. Um, I read a book really well known called Spinning Silver. Um, it's by Naomi Novik. It came out in like 2018. Um, and, uh, it was a 2019 Hugo Award for Best Novel nominee. Um, and it was really good. Like, it's basically, um, uh, kind of vaguely works on the premise of, of Rumpelstiltskin, you know, someone being able to, um, turn something into something else. So straw into gold, that kind of thing. Um, and it was great. It was, the characters were great. The setting was fantastic. It's a one-off. It's not part of a series. Um, there's no, there are no love triangles, which is nice. (laughs) Um, just about like, Caitlin, you know, kind of like, yeah. I believe you mean love Chevron. Yeah. Oh shit! I do. It's a callback, y'all. Call that a callback. Thank you. <laughs> I love. There's no love chevrons. Um. Yeah. It was just. It was a really well spun story. Really entertaining. Read it super fast. Um. So yeah, if you're looking for like, if you really love fantasy and you just kind of want a light, good read, um, it was fantastic. It was. It was. It was. Yeah, really was fantastic. Very like fairy tale heavy, um, and uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I also started watching, uh, started reading Cloud Cuckoo Land, which is David Mitchell. Um, no, Anthony Doerr. Anth- yeah, Anthony Doerr. Um, very like Cloud Atlas, mm. at least so far, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> I love speculative fiction. This has a lot of like weird timeline stuff in it, which I love. There's some, you know, ancient history, there's future stuff, there's present, like it's just, again, really well woven so far. Um, Really interesting. Um, So yeah, I'll keep you updated on that. Look at me reading like a sophisticated lady. Um. And then I, the only thing of a note that I watched um, was actually a documentary called Black Ice, which is a Canadian documentary film directed by Hubert Davis. Um, I don't know if if he calls himself Hubert, but I'm going to say Hubert. Um, It was, it's basically based on, sorry, it's based on a, a, in part, by Daryl Fosty and George Fosty's 2004 nonfiction book, Black Ice, The Lost History of the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes. Um, so it, it weaves certain things. It's on, it's on Crave, if you're interested. But it weaves certain things. It weaves both the history of the Black Hockey Leagues, um, which uh, most people don't know about. Did you know about it, Jordan? I did not. Um, I didn't know about it and it was fascinating. Um, so they, they sort of weave that history with the modern and 
ever present or currently present problem of racism in hockey. Um, in all different levels. So they talk about NHL, they talk about junior hockey, they talk about, you know, young kids who are experiencing it. Um, and how, you know, it's sort of ingrained in this fabric. And, and something I really liked that they talked about was a lot of people think because we're in Canada, we're somehow, you know, well, at least we're not the United States. Like it's so much better, but we know that racism is racism anywhere, right? And we both have seen it and we've seen it done to people we love. Um, and it's never, ever okay. And it's always so frustrating. And for young kids to have to experience racism in something that they love is just, it's horrifying and it's, um, so appalling. And I think this is a really timely documentary. It's also, it is February, which is Black History Month, which some people don't know, but Canada does have Black History Month along with the United States. Um, and some other countries that have started to, to celebrate it as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting, it was a really interesting documentary. Um, I wish it had been longer or at least I wish it had been maybe a mini series. I just felt like there was way more they could have gotten into. Um, and they, they talked to all different players and all different leagues and yeah, it was really, really fascinating. Um, so yeah, so that's, I kind of just got real, uh, educated this, this week. Well, damn. Yeah. Follow that up, Jordan. Can't. My stuff's all stupid. <laughs> Just stupid garbage. Um, what do I have? Uh, Poker Face, still dope. Like I said, best best elliptical show going. Um, most recent episode guest starred uh, Jamil Jamil, Ellen Barkin, and Tim Meadows of all people. Um, huh. Poker Face is literally you know what you're getting, and it's great when you do <laughs> i i maintain everything i said was it last week we talked about it? everything i said last week about it it's yes. it's still you know what you're getting and what you're getting is good so keep that up poker face um what else did i watch so uh recently added to hbo max slash crave was mark maron's latest hour uh called from bleak to dark which I watched this morning uh-huh. because it's essentially the hour he did when someone cute and I saw him at just for laughs. Um, it's mostly that material. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, which is why I watched it. I wanted to see if it was that material. Um, which if you need to know what Mark Marin's standup is like, it's him. <laughs> the first thing he says is like, I don't want to be negative, but I don't think anything's ever going to get better ever again. <laughs> So it's not the uh, it's not the most chipper <laughs> uh, hour of comedy, but it made me laugh more than once. Um, and it was obviously better to hear that material in a room with a crowd. Um, I guess if anything, this is more of a more of an endorsement for seeing stand up comedy live more often and laughing in a room full of people <laughs> than 
as much as we all love to watch yes, stand up on your television. Um, it's a much different vibe to watch it, uh, to watch it live and in person. I also watched a random, I just had Crave on today. So apparently it was, it was Crave time in the, uh, in, in the Polly pocket. And I watched Mr. A and Mr. M. And that was a two part documentary uh-huh. on the, uh, the lifespan of A and M records. Oh. A very, a very artist friendly, uh, label in the seventies, uh, Cat Stevens, Carol King, Joe Cocker, the police, Janet Jackson, tons of artists on there. Also, I believe begat the, uh, CTI jazz label, which I would have liked more time spent on, frankly. Um, it wasn't the best music documentary I ever saw. Oh, the, the funny story was that they had the sex pistol sign for like a week. Um, and the sex pistols, uh, punched out some guy who was like important. <laughs> And it was like, as, as I could see the, pe- the sex pistols, doing. Like, I can't work with them anymore. It's like, so we had to let them go. And I think they ended up signing with Virgin. Um, it's fine. Like I said, I watch a lot of music history stuff and it was okay. Like a solid C plus, um, better versions of music documentaries. Let's move into podcasts for a second. Listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I said, beyond that elliptical, gotta have something to keep your mind occupied and to, you know, keep yourself, your mind occupied to make sure you don't ever think about the fact that you are on an elliptical. Yeah. One of mine and also someone cute's favorite podcast, 60 songs that explain the nineties hosted by Rob Harvella put out by the ringer, um, which has already expanded to 90 songs, uh, recently announced, <laughs> fuck it. They're doing 120. <laughs> um, oh the yes. show will still be called 60 songs that explain the nineties, but they will do 120 episodes. Um, <laughs> It's just, it's just dope. And like I said, from a, from a, someone who still low key fancies himself a writer, the favorite, my favorite part of that show is to like, it's just expository writing, you know, it's like start wide and narrow in. Um, but it's how the, the angle Harvilla will always take to get to the song he's talking about. And sometimes it's a long meander and you will never see it coming when he gets, when he gets there. But every time he does, sometimes he does. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Um, last week's episode was on the Macarena. How are you going to get into the Macarena? Well, the Macarena was technically a remix. A what? So he started by talking about songs that remixes of songs that performed better than the originals. Ooh, there's a long list there. I did not know Show Me Love by Robin S was a remix. And the original version of Show Me Love is a much more slower kind of traditional house type beat. And then somebody somebody remixes it with that keyboard line. You know that keyboard line, that keyboard line that just like defined a generation of house music. And it's like, oh, yes. Fascinating. Take a whole show just about remixes that did better. Oh, Tom's Diner was the other one. That was the one by Suzanne Vega. Um, you know, yeah, that song was originally an acapella. She just sang it with no music on the record. Some two dudes just put a beat behind it and it blows up. You were blowing my mind. Yeah. Telling you 60 songs that explain the nineties. Fantastic. We still waiting on our Ace of Base episode though. Harvilla. I was just about to say, did they finally do an Ace of Base episode? Not done an Ace of Base episode. If you don't if if you do not do an Ace of Base episode on sixty songs that explain the nineties, bro, bro, come on. That 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 shit is, I saw the sign, like literally defined my that childhood. That shit is egregious. When I think of that song, I just early, early 
90s summertime, that is the song that pops into my like, head. How have you, like, listen, do that or S Club Party. Do one or the other. <laughs> give me an entire guess. episode on S Club Party. <laughs> oh my God, that was so bad. Uh, other podcasts, weirdly, that I'm listening to, because what has a lot of episodes that I can just listen to? Kate, did you ever play HQ Trivia back in the day? Like circa no. 20, I guess 2017, this was popping off. It was just one of those things. It was like, just like Haruri Suzumiya. Like it was just like everywhere. And then it vanished. I vaguely remember it happening. I never played it myself, but I knew people who did. It was basically a live trivia show that you would watch on an app on your phone and play together. Um, I literally have no idea what you've never heard of this before. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have never even heard Surprised of it. Surprised to no one. There was a zeitgeist moment that Caitlin just missed entirely. Um, <laughs> but in 2017... I was too busy watching Murder, She Wrote. We know this. In 2017, there was an app that came out called HQ Trivia. It was hosted by a guy named Scott Rogowski. They did two to three games a day. They would have a jackpot, and it was basically elimination. You know, people would get knocked out, and then if, you know, whoever, however many people made it to the end, they would split the pot. And Rogowski was a very... um boisterous sort of host. He was very charismatic. Um, there was a chat going along the bottom and like a, like a view counter. And it was just, it was low key kind of like Wordle before it was Wordle. It was like envisioned as like interactive television sort of thing. Um, interesting. And like I said, you would watch it on an app. It was a live stream that you would tune into. You had to tune into it at this time. It was appointment viewing. And then you would play the trivia game and, if you made it to the end, like the jackpots initially were like $11. Like the jackpot was like 50 bucks. It was more for just the like experience of doing this thing with a group of people. And what I find interesting, I recently came across a Twitter thread I had saved like a while back. And it's, this is not new. It was just explained in a Twitter thread that made me go, Oh, the idea of like, there are no third spaces anymore that the internet and just kind of society has killed the notion of the third space which is the social spot. You know, there's home is your first place. Work is your second place. There's no third place. There's no, there's no there's bar. No, pub, not, there's I mean, there's no. that, that's one aspect, but there's no like, you know, community service group or like, you know, nobody's joining the optimist club anymore or, you know, bowling leagues, you know, bowling alone, that book bowling alone really dug into this. And that book came out like 20 years ago. Like this is not a, not a new phenomenon, but I think the lack of third spaces is what made HQ trivia. So appealing to a lot of people was the thing you were doing together, but separate, like you were, you were all participating. Um, and and it's low key. Like, honestly, it's the same model as like fall guys, the game fall guys. That's what I feel when I play fall guys. I don't, I'm not talking to anybody, but like, all of us are playing this stupid little game. But you're doing it together. Yeah, and when it gets down to the last game and you're hopping across those disappearing platforms and you see somebody beside you go down, it's like, ooh, sorry, buddy. Um, like, it's a thing you're all doing together. Anyway. Well, that was um, that was what it was called. Um, you know, where everyone's suspicious of everyone. There's little Among us. in space. Among us. I did that for a little bit. <laughs> you did do that for a bit. Uh, Angela Lansbury did it, too. She did. But yeah, HQ Trivia was a huge thing for like a year in 2017, 2018. 
And then it just kind of vanished. And you know me. You know I love a story about a the rise and fall of a tech disruptor. <laughs> it's like you like when, you know, things disappear. You're very interested. I'm like, what about people and bodies? You know, same thing. Different vibe. I mean, shout, shouts to the dropout. We know I sat through that for <laughs> six episodes just waiting for more than that. Just waiting for the fall. Um, so this is a podcast also by The Ringer that came across my desk. This is a show that came out in 2020, I believe, um, but I totally missed it completely. It's called Boom and Bust, The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia. It's like nine episodes long. Um, fun fact, HQ Trivia, start or the, the format, the, the company that ended up putting out HQ Trivia was formed, I think they were called Hype Labs or something, formed by two of the three founders of Vine. There, there that we is are. what they did after uh, Vine kind of flamed out after the Twitter purchase. Um, they went on and started this thing, which brought out HQ Trivia. Um, and honestly, the episode about <laughs> the rise and fall of Vine, I was like, shit, give me that story. <laughs> I'd rather have <laughs> that one. Because um, you know, Caitlin and I are both fluent in Vine. Oh, yeah. Very much so. It's kind of scary sometimes. Very scary. Anyway, um, it's not the best podcast in the world. And frankly, this isn't the best story in the world. It's okay. And it's fine for when you're uh, killing time on the elliptical. Um, But it's an interesting story. Again, it's one of those things where, like, it was the biggest thing in the world. And then people just, like, their biggest game, they gave away $3 million. And the show was co-hosted by The Rock. That's where we were at with this. Because they were doing branded. How did I never hear about this? What is going on? Is there an alter? Did the Flash fuck up my universe? Like, what? Girl, apparently. Um, he was promoting Rampage. They signed a deal with Warner Brothers at one point um, to do these, like, co-branded games. And, yeah, Scott Rogowski standing there with The Rock hosting HQ Trivia. My it was God. a thing, and then it wasn't. And I think we're, I'm getting to the episodes now, which I think is going to lead to more analysis about, like, why did everyone just stop? Because there was a time where, like, those view count numbers were, like, exploding. And they were hitting two and a half million views per, you know, viewers per game. And then it just started falling off. And, like, lots of things fall off. There is a life cycle to, to social things on the internet. You know? Mm-hmm. They just always kind of, if they continue, they are these weird kind of, like, shuffling husks of what they once were. Looking at you, Zuckerberg. Um... I was just going to say, look at you, Facebook. Or, uh. or Twitter or Instagram or, I mean, with the exception of TikTok, but TikTok's too much. I can't. Listen, I, we've been over this. There's always a lifespan on these things. And I think we're getting to the episodes where they're going to start investigating that. So I'm interested to see where that ends up. Anyway, that's also where you can get your podcast. I probably talked about that too long. You love, you love when we have the hottest takes about five-year-old things, but we're not going to do that anymore, friends. We're going to move to the second half of the show where we talk about something new. Again. I mean, we might be out after this week. I don't know if there's anything else new we want, we want to look at, so enjoy it while you have it. Because we'll be talking about, uh, you know, Urban Cowboy next week. But for now, <laughs> we'll talk about the latest offerings from the creator of one of my low-key favorites, Cougar Town. And for a lot of other people, Scrubs, uh, that's your boy, Bill Lawrence. And we will talk about his latest shrinking after this break.
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. As Jordan mentioned, at the first half, at the very end, just before you heard this part, um, we're going to talk about shrinking. But before we do that, we have some rules. The first rule is the rule of three. That is, if the thing comes in episodes, we'll watch three of them. So the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. Um, I think... This is not like a the Madoka Magica of three episodes, but I do think that it is important to see the, th- the first three episodes. Oh, interesting. Give it a good shot. Yeah. I, I'll, I have a take. Okay. I never have takes. There we go. Um, the second thing is hashtag save it for the pod. That is, we will not talk about the thing we we're discussing before we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you guys get the hottest and freshest of takes sometimes it's just a fresh take about an old thing or a hot take about a stale thing but today it's fresh and hot so it's super exciting both of them um both of them together um and then the third is not really a rule it's just more of a policy is that this is a pro spoiler podcast we talk about things in depth um it's not it's just kind of hard to spoil this show, but at the same time, I could understand if you're like, I don't want to know anything, then you need to um, leave and go enjoy some, I don't know, hot cocoa or <laughs> some game show that Caitlin has never heard of <laughs> that apparently was this massive thing that everyone was talking about. Go find, go find YouTube um, rips of HK, uh, HQ trivia <laughs> from five years ago. Yeah. Um, and then come tell Caitlin about it on Twitter <laughs> or tell Jordan and then he'll tell Caitlin. Right. Um, yeah. And with all that, um, Jordan, tell us about shrinking. So, um, I, this show was not really on my radar. I knew it existed. Um, someone cute had been watching it. And even then that was like, did not feel the need to seek it out cause it's, uh, on Apple and, um, Apple shows are not easy for me to access. Um, I just knew it was a new thing with Harrison Ford in it. Harrison Ford doing TV. What a, what in the world are we living in right now? Um, second TV show from Harrison Ford because he's in one of those weird Yellowstone prequels. Um, it was after I put a couple pieces together when I saw a clip of the show on Twitter um, that made me LOL. And then I realized, where do I recognize that woman from? And I said, oh, that's Ellie from Cougar Town because this is done by Bill Lawrence. Who created Cougar Town? Well, maybe I need to watch this show more. And that's why I suggested it to Caitlin. Uh, Shrinking is an American comedy drama television series created by Brett Goldstein, Jason Siegel, and Bill Lawrence. It premiered on January 27th on Apple TV. That's like less than a month ago. We are on yeah. it. We are on it right now, a, yo. We are the culture moves it. too it's fast so and we're actually keeping up with it. We're actually keeping up with it for once. Um, this is a very short synopsis given to us on Wikipedia. Uh, it is... As follows, a therapist named Jimmy Laird dealing with severe grief begins to breach ethical barriers by telling his patients what he completely thinks resulting in massive changes to his and their lives. He brands himself a psychological vigilante. The cast includes Jason Siegel as Jimmy Laird, Jessica Williams as Gabby, a fellow therapist working with Jimmy, Luke Tenney as Sean, a patient suffering from anger management issues who has sessions with Jimmy, Michael Urie is Brian, Jimmy's best friend and a, a lawyer. 
Lukita Maxwell as Alice, Jimmy's teenage daughter. Krista Miller as Liz, Jimmy's next-door neighbor, who also helps with looking after Alice. And Harrison Ford as Dr. Paul Rhodes, the senior therapist and a colleague of Jimmy's at the clinic he works at, who has Parkinson's disease. Um, also features Ted McGinley as Liz's husband, Derek. Which is fantastic. And that was the clip I it saw on so Twitter fantastic. that made me want to watch the show of Derek telling a nosy neighbor to eat a dick. <laughs> it was so good. Morning, Pam. No, there's no, no, we hate Pam. Oh, eat a dick, Pam. That was, he just says it was so much joy. That was the moment where I was like, maybe I need to check that show out. Um, so I found this show really strange as a vibe. It's, mm-hmm. it's can be very funny. can also be very sad. And I never saw scrubs. So I don't know if this is like more akin to the vibe of, of scrubs, which was Bill Lawrence's other show besides Cougar town that he's best known for. Um, but I really kind of like this show. <laughs> Yeah. Weirdly enough, what do you think? It's yeah, it's got it's got good comfort vibes. Like I want to hang out with these people even though they're going through some sort of like like personal tragedies, right? Or not really even tragedies, just life. Mm. I mean, yes, of course his wife being dead is awful. Um though I have had kind of enough of uh men and their wives being dead in shows. <laughs> Um, I mean, severance is the most recent thing, but oh, I mean, right. I, I know people have been, no, I've been trying to find a, like a cop show or a procedural or a mystery show to watch. And like every single cop has a dead wife. And I'm just like, oh my God, think of something, just have a divorce. Can we just do divorce? Anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the characters. I really like their relationship. You find out more and more about their relationship with when you are like, I like to think of it as visiting with them. (laughs) Um, I only have like a couple quibbles (gasps) with the show. Um, I'm hoping that maybe they'll go more into it. Caitlin, 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 I never get to use it. Yeah. We've got quibbles. (laughs) Please continue. (laughs) Um, would you like to hear some of the quibbles? I would. The quibs? Um, so the first one is that, so they talk about that this is a clinic that does cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, but I haven't seen that. <laughs> and I know the idea is that he's like a psychological vigilante and let, let, let me pop in goes off script. Let me p- pop in to define what that means. He basically, when you meet him, he is like still bottomed out. Um, yes. he's drinking and doing drugs all the time. He has basically been ignoring his daughter for like a year, which, you know, he had barely been a, he's a roommate to her. Basically. She's basically being raised by this neighbor. Um, and he's in a session with one of his patients who is married to an emotionally abusive dick. And he just kind of snaps and has enough. And, goes off on her and tells her to basically leave her husband, which is a complete ethical breach. Um, even if it's accurate. Um, but he- I, but see, here's my thing. Hmm. 
I think the way he did it was probably not great, but I don't think advising someone to like leave a relationship because of abuse is an ethical breach for your doctor. <laughs> like, I think you need to sort of help them realize that. But he said he they'd been in session for two years. Yeah, I think his frustration like, comes either- from he's he most of his patients are what colloquially might be known as ask holes. You know, people who claim they want help with a situation but have no intention of doing anything with the counsel they are given. Um, I think that's where his frustration with a lot of his patients comes from that ultimately leads him to, to go but off. I would like, I would like to, I would have liked to see some of this actual counseling, mm. <laughs> not just him getting frustrated. Um, and, and because they're all, he's like, and how does that make you feel? I've never had a therapist ask me, how does that make me feel? Right? Like maybe, maybe, kind of in those terms, but there's not, it's not about just getting my feelings out. It's about working on things. And whether you do cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy, there are like, you have to do work, right? Um, so I like the premise of him getting frustrated, but I kind of wanted to see that build up a little bit more. Like it happens really early in the first episode. right? Um, but after that, like I, I really like, all of this that that happens with the episodes, I like the story. I like um, the sort of it, it's this. This is why I think the third episode is really important. You kind of get a sense of like so Harrison Ford, who plays the I believe it's his main, his practice. He's sort of like the main he's, guy, he's the boss. Yeah, um, yeah. He has been a therapist for a very long time, and he's sort of trying to advise. Um, What's the Jason Segal's character again? Jimmy. Jimmy. Trying to advise Jimmy, like, this is not... A, it's not appropriate. You are... And he does do some ethical breaches. For instance, you know, letting his patient stay at his house. Yes. Um, so there are some things there. And he's trying to advise him, like, this is not the way. Um, I wanted to know more of, like... See, this is probably me and my big nerdiness being like, but tell me why in like clinical terms <laughs> this won't work. Or, you know, I wanted to know more about the actual therapy side of it. Um, but this is why I think the third episode is really important is because at the end of the third episode, very end of the third episode, Jimmy thinks things are going really well. He thinks, you know, him doing the this... Um, psychological uh, vigilantism is like, no, it's really working. I'm feeling better. Everything's go seems to be going well. And then he sees that first patient with her abusive boyfriend. Still with the boyfriend, right. So, yeah. And not even just still with the boyfriend, but she'd been lying to him about it right. um, for like sessions. So, and so everything kind of, I haven't got to the fourth episode. I really wanted to, but I didn't have time. Um, kind of things deflate around him. And even Harrison Ford at one point says that, you know, Jimmy says he's been grieving about his wife for a year. And the Harrison Ford character is like, no, you haven't. You've just been numbing for a year. You haven't even started to grieve yet. Um, And so I thought that was really fascinating. Um, There is one uh, section where the Jessica Williams character, who um, she was best friends with Jimmy's wife, and they work together. She's going to have a divorce party. And she seems really excited about it. And then 
gets less excited about it, <laughs> has this change of, of feeling about it. And I thought that was a really good conversation about how you your feelings can change on something, right? Um, but yeah, I really like these characters. I really like these situations. I like that they're all sort of dealing with their life stuff. Um, I really want someone to yell at Jimmy about abandoning his daughter for a year. Um, As Harrison Ford does repeatedly. I don't know if maybe that's in the fourth episode you haven't seen yet, but question for the group. Is Harrison Ford the most charismatic person who has ever walked the earth? How does he get away with being just grumpy in every movie? And it's totally fine with me because I figured it out. Here's the thing. He is personifying something I heard once about West Coast and East Coast people, and that is that West Coast people are nice but not kind, and East Coast people are kind but not nice, and West Coast people get really mad when you say that. Um, The notion being that (laughs) nice but not kind is if you're, you know, freezing, nice will be like, oh my God, that must be so hard on you. Tell me about how cold you are. And then not do anything for you. If you say you're cold around kind, but not nice, they're going to go, Oh my God, shut the fuck up and hand you their jacket. Like Harrison Ford is personifying kind, but not nice in this, in this show. And I think that's what makes him so irascibly charming. Shall we say you find out he has been counseling Jimmy's daughter throughout. And like, again, like he said, nobody is perfect on this and everybody has their own thing. The Harrison Ford character is great with Jimmy's daughter. Not so great with his own daughter. Which maybe that's episode no. four you haven't seen yet, but it's alluded to um, in the earlier episodes. That he keeps everything really separate. And maybe he's yeah. good with his patients, but not good with, you know, other elements of his life. That said, every scene with the three of them is fucking gold. Amazing. Jason Siegel yeah. and Jessica Williams busting Harrison Ford's balls is not anything I thought I needed in my life, but I do. Yeah, and you, you have this on the one hand, like I obviously we know they're actors, but they have this thing where you feel like they've known each other for ages, and that they love each other. Like the, I had to like. I watched the first episode wondering for the longest time if, like, Paul was Jimmy's dad. Like, that relationship, that mentor relationship that they clearly have had over the years, there's no one Jimmy respects more than Paul. And the victory of seeing Harrison Ford, the Paul character, drink from the water bottle. It was just like, and it's so subtle and like in the background. What the fuck? Oh my God. See, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil episode four if it happened then. When did she get a new car? She got the new car in episode three, right? That was the divorce party episode. Yes. Yeah. And what song were they fucking singing in the car? Every morning Um, by Sugar Ray. That's what it was. Harrison Ford singing every morning by Sugar Ray was... (laughs) Oh no, that must have been the fourth episode. No. Oh my god, sorry. It was so That's okay, awesome. that's okay. It, honestly, Jessica Williams singing um Story uh, of a do, Girl. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, that that was right. That was it. It was Story of a Girl. I just I loved that scene. And like how she, the, the, 
at first Paul's like, she's like, you know, she can't understand why no one wants to like hang up with her in the morning. And Paul's like, you're a lot in the morning. And that's too much water. Um, <laughs> oh, great line. Yeah. Harrison Ward's fantastic. He, he is a curmudgeon in everything now <laughs> and I'm like totally fine with it. Um, yeah, even, yeah, I just, there are so many touching scenes. There are some frustrating scenes. I want to know more about clinical therapy because <laughs> I'm a big nerd. Um, but I also want to see how things work out. I, I, I'm kind of worried for his patient with the anger management issues. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just, I, I do really want to see how these people's lives turn out. And I think that's one of the like highest levels of praise you can give for a show is that you want to go back and hang out with these people. And you're just, you're, you're rooting for all of them. Like, and they could just like go and have dinner or coffee or play cornhole while waiting for appetizers. Um, oh my God. My, and I just kind of want to hang out with them. My favorite, like again, and this I think will summarize how the tones that the show is playing with, which makes it, I wouldn't call it a sitcom by any means. It's like a dramatic comedy or comedic drama, however you want to frame it. But there's a dramedy. A, dramedy. There's a subplot in the first couple episodes where like Jimmy has ghosted his, who he says is his best friend for a year. And that's, that's the Brian character. And then it turns out he needs him. He needs his help, um, with his anger management patient. And as Jimmy starts to like, try to step out into the world a little bit, um, he, agrees to pickleball is that what was it when they were playing pickleball, pickleball the fastest growing sport in the fastest u.s growing, do you know about pickleball kate you didn't know about hq trivia do you know about pickleball i know about pickleball and you want to know how i know about, about pickleball mm. because my father-in-law loves pickleball there you go fastest growing sport don't get left behind um but it's the scene where like brian is like demanding to know why jimmy vanished from his life for a year um and it's kind of a reasonable reason where, like, you know, Jimmy just says, you wouldn't let me be miserable. Like, I needed to be miserable. And you just wouldn't let me do that. Um, and Brian always says this line about everything goes my way. Um, and he says, do you know how hard it is to listen to someone say everything goes my way when your wife has died? And there's this like real heavy pause. And then Brian just says, I didn't say everything goes your way. <laughs> that's my thing. That's my way. And that's just like, like, oh my God. But it's really funny and it diffuses the situation and, and sort of like pops the tension of that moment. And that's the, that's the, there's a lot of, it's a lot of tension popping there. And it also gave me, uh, when subtitled, the best image I've ever sent to someone cute, which is Jason Siegel on a bike crying, yelling, fuck you, Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> I, one of my favorite lines is the neighbor going, I just wanted to fucking tumble my rocks. <laughs> That's all she wants to do. That's all Liz wants to do is tumble her fucking rocks. Um, and yeah, shout out to the guy who plays her husband. Oh. Oh my god. Every line he delivers with like this 
this artificial, you think, joy, but you're not totally sure. What the hell? She's, um, she was ranting in, it must have been the fourth episode, so mild spoiler, sorry. She's ranting to, I think, the Jessica Williams character about like, I love Derek so much, but he's going to retire next year. And I can only love him for like an hour and a half a day. <laughs> uh, like I see, said, it's a it's a weird it's like, a weird show, but very very good and funny, and like has made me laugh, and had some really great lines, and yeah, it's just it's it's well balanced. Mm. It's interesting. That's, like the balance yes, is can the, be strange. You you have hit it on that. You've hit it on that one. That's the that's what this show does best is the balance of tone that it's hitting. Where, and that's why you want to. It's very. It's a very human show, and that's why the humanity of the characters is why you want to hang out with them because mm-hmm. they're just all flawed in their way, but not bad people. Um, and that makes them all really appealing and why you want to hang out with them. So this is definitely Thursdays are getting way too stacked. I think this drops on Thursdays too. So between that and poker face, I have a very busy Thursday now going forward. Um, this is in the rotation for me for the season. It's, it's, uh, it's like, that's easily an eight right now. I'm never disappointed after an episode. So yeah, I think it's the exact same for me. I, I was surprised. I thought I'd there, there was some resistance and I was kind of like, oh, no, I just, I get, I had this feeling I knew it was going to be, but I, I, even if I could figure out the premise, I didn't understand kind of the, the fun it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that first episode, I was like, yeah, I'm totally down to watch more episodes. So that is on your Apple TV plus or other methods if need be. Friends, if you check that out, let us know what you're thinking. Did it strike the right tone with you? Did you appreciate the balance? Let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. Otherwise, my God, we're running too hot this week, this month, Kate. I don't know what we're going to, what the hell we could possibly do for we're next week. We're just going to have to watch something real old and crusty for when we get back. Re- and, and it'll be, when we get back, it'll be what, late February, early March? Early March, probably, yeah. So we got to, let's do some like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> We'll do something real old and awful real and no one's going to want to listen to it. Real old and real crusty. Yeah. And then watch the numbers just drop. Listen, yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, we know I we know I see the numbers when I upload the show and the anime episodes, uh, that Trigun episode did banging numbers for us. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what people thought. I wonder, I, I really do wonder if there are people out there who are like, they don't know what they're talking about. And I, some people who were smoking their pipes and being sophisticated being like, I agree completely. They're absolutely bang on. <laughs> Shouts to the pipe smokers, y'all. Anybody who disagrees with this is a trash goblin. Like, that is what I picture. Y'all, you take that up with her. Uh, as alluded to, yes, I don't think we said it at the top, but we will be off next week because of the family day weekend here in Canada. Because we invented a holiday five years ago and called it Family Day. Because <laughs> damn yeah, it, we, we decided we wanted another holiday and we got one. We wanted a day off in February and the McGinty liberals gave it to us. <laughs> so we'll be off next week. We'll be back in two weeks. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us 
in two weeks for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Two fussy babies doing a podcast. <laughs> and I'm sore everywhere. With our little and tiny clenched fist punching the air. <laughs> don't, and there are no cookies in the house. Oh my God. Do you want to know why? Why? Because I ate the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>